you're going to have I.O. that being paired to a controller is going to be very much like pairing Bluetooth headphones to your smartphone. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics, and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now, your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 16 of Manufacturing Happy Hour. Today, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a systems integrator of the future. We're going to be sitting down with Tim Shope, who is the Director of Digital Transformation at Avid Solutions. You know, I could say these guys specialize in process controls, integrated solutions, but in reality, I feel they really exemplify what it means to be a systems integrator of the future. In fact, that's the first of three things you can expect from today's show. We'll talk about what that means as well as how many people might actually be prepared to take on applications related to the industrial Internet of Things. Second, you're going to learn about SESME. This is the Smart Manufacturing Institute, and we're going to talk about them specifically in the context of work that they're doing at North Carolina State University. Finally, we'll wrap up by talking about a smart manufacturing project that Avid has been working on that's helping to make critical supplies to take on the COVID-19 situation. If you want to learn more after this episode wrapps up, make sure to head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 16 for all resources mentioned in this show. This is a quick episode for you this week, but I do have one quick request before we get started. If you've been enjoying the show or if this is your first time and you liked what you heard, make sure to head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes to leave us a rating and review at Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the show on the map and the feedback is critical for helping me understand what topics to tackle in the future. Again, that's manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes to leave a rating and review. With that, I am excited to go beyond the buzzwords and learn what smart manufacturing really means today in our conversation with Tim Shope. Today on Manufacturing Happy Hour, we are joined by Tim Shope of Avid Solutions, a team that is displaying and developing the skills needed for systems integration in an industry 4.0 world. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. And for those of you that want to learn more about Avid Solutions, you can find them at avid.run or you can connect with them on LinkedIn. And Tim, I always like to start off manufacturing happy hour in a happy hour centric way. So you and I were, were talking before the show that One of your favorite bars in Fuquave Arena, North Carolina, is the Barbershop. So, spot where you can get your hair cut and get a local craft brew. So, let's say we're hanging out there and we're drinking a craft beer and your barber asks you, Tim, you know, what does Avid Solutions do? How would you explain it if you're having a drink with someone while you're getting your hair cut? I would uh, tell him that we are a control systems integrator. Uh, we do currently probably about 60, 65% of our business is in the life sciences and pharma uh, environment. We are a uh, Rockwell Solutions provider, but at the same time, we are looking to the future and the directions of manufacturing in the U.S. and globally, for that matter, 
from the skills that are going to be needed in uh, Industry 4.0 as uh, as we transition into you know the, this next industrial wave of manufacturing. Yeah, and we're at a dynamic time as we record this, right in the middle of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, Tim, you and I have talked on a, a couple calls leading up to this, just about what the the new normal looks like and and what the future looks like. So we're going to dive into Industry four point and the connected enterprise and really what your perceptions are around what the systems integrator of the future looks like in just a second. But first, you know, just for the immediate context, you have mentioned some pretty cool things you've been doing to support your customers in the short term while things are changing, particularly the ones that are running full volume right now. You've talked about wearables. I'd love to hear some things that you're doing to support customers through the current coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, so we're uh, we're exploring a lot of different technologies. We've uh, created some partnerships with some uh, some technologies recently around how can we remotely deploy remote connectivity as whereas uh, wearables and be able to support not only our people on the ground as uh, as these facilities are going to essential personnel only. Right, they they want fewer and fewer third party vendors in a facility. Yet we were still doing critical functions there. So we're finding ways to deploy wearable goggles, um, support manufacturing or or maintenance personnel remotely via Teams or Skype. Sometimes it's as simple as as using FaceTime on a a cell phone or uh, leveraging uh, some some wearables with a Teams so that we can collaborate with multiple people at one time to, uh, to resolve an issue. As bad as it is today, not being able to get the site, people are still manufacturing. They're still having failures in their facilities. I mean, we got a call Friday afternoon uh, from a facility not far from here that had a uh, had a uh, PowerFlex drive issue, and and it turned out not to be a drive issue. It turned out to be a uh, process issue. They couldn't level in their in their tank. And uh, first steps were we remoted in and looked at a few things, and we finally wound up uh, deploying a uh, individual to the site. But you know we. In today's environment, the ability to remotely support is is more critical than ever. Yeah, and I've I've seen you and the Avid team jumping on that pretty quickly to be a source of support during these times. But beyond that, what we're really going to be talking about today is around the future of systems integration and what that systems integrator of the future looks like post COVID-19. So I've got some specific questions for you, but first I'd love to just get your initial thoughts on that question. What does the systems integrator of the future look like in your mind? I think it looks uh, drastically different than what a traditional system integrator has looked like in the past. Past you were looking at uh, maybe a panel shop, a PLC, doing some uh, SCADA HMI work, maybe uh, panel view work, etc. But I think as we move forward and as technology evolves and technologies become um, a lot more autonomous, I think a lot of that lower level control, a lot of the uh, things that are being done in a PLC today by hand or even by bulk generation is going to be developed by AI, right? You're going to be able mm-hmm. to it at a, at a controller and you're going to say, I want it to do X, Y, and Z in plain English and mm-hmm. it's going to generate whatever code, whatever you want, ladder function, whatever, or, or any of the, the uh, standards out there. Mm-hmm. be able to generate that for you. And so the system integration goes from being at a grassroots, if you think of the Purdue model, level zero, level one, level two, it's going to move up the food chain into level three, level four, where you're actually going to start extracting value from those 
controllers. That's a great example because what it, it's people have talked about that for a while where AI is going to take over, whether we're talking a controller, a PAC, PLC, or whether we're talking just coders out in San Francisco where I am, the way they're doing right. their Java code and things like that for software. Um, we talk about that being one of the first things where AI could start taking over some of those real basic programming tasks. Absolutely. And and as that happens, right, system integration has to move up the food chain where the value is. It's not to say that there's not still going to be, you know, a need for someone to construct cabinets or to go wire or start uh, commission uh, platforms. But even that, I think in today's new norm, I think a lot of that is going to be ship to site, ship a bunch of wearables and a support mechanism, and you're going to use more local on-prem physical resources. And you're going to be able to distribute one to many from the, uh, the engineers remotely. Great example. And I know Avid is ahead of the curve on that, but I'm just curious, what are your perceptions around that? We have a lot of manufacturing leaders that listen to this show across equipment manufacturers, people that work at end users, manufacturing a car or food, um, and a number of systems integrators as well. In, in your opinion, how many, what portion of systems integrators are you think are ready for this change at this point in time? I think it's a small portion of the industry today that are forward-looking and you know willing to look at web-based integration as opposed to traditional you know Modbus communication links and even you know some of the uh, uh, lower-level communication links. It, it's it's breaking down the silos and ingesting data into a common environment where you can look at uh, an enterprise holistically. And I think these skill sets um, are. You know, everybody's talked about IoT and ITOT convergence for a very, very long time, uh, but the, the skill sets are really starting to converge today. I used to think of when people said ITOT convergence, I always thought in terms of the hardware or now we're running control in an open Microsoft platform or we're using Cisco switches or standard mm -hmm. IT architectures. And the reality is, is the IT integration is actually driving down into the OT space. If you look at things that are happening with IT OT sensors, being able to circumvent the Purdue model, go direct to the cloud, uh, which is you know, Exxon's, uh, it just happens initiative, the, the sequel, right? The second one, uh, you know, how do you flatten that stack and how do you go from these intelligent devices directly into an apps and analytics world in the cloud without having to go through three layers of, of data ingestion. A lot of good information that you provided there. Two things that jumped out. First is a very basic question. Second, I'm interested to hear some of the things that you've done around Avid like this, but um, you know, we're very familiar with IT OT convergence on this show. This episode is actually coming out right in the middle of a security mini series that we have being released right now around cybersecurity. So lot of conversation around that integration of the plant floor technologies and the uh, IT technologies. One thing you mentioned, uh, the Purdue model. I don't know if everyone listening to this is familiar with the Purdue model. Can you define that really quickly, just since we've mentioned it a couple times? It's been around for a long time, but if you look at a manufacturing environment and you go level zero up to level five, right? Level zero, level one is basically the IO, the, the uh, actuators, the... the mm -hmm. In the field you move up the next level you're getting to the controller the control infrastructure uh, that are actually executing the PID algorithms etc 
Uh, and as you continue to move up the stack, you get into the HMI, uh, SCADA layer, as well as moving into the MES and finally at the ERP or the business layer being level five. Just a way to express, you know, the um, as people like to refer to the shop, shop floor to the uh, boardroom perspective from a, from a technology stack. Exactly. You're looking at all the controls and technology that go from exactly like you said, plant floor all the way to the boardroom. And there are five layers within that Purdue model. So whether you've heard of the Purdue model or not in that terms, I imagine a lot of the manufacturing leaders have at least seen that breakdown of technology in that capacity. The other thing that you mentioned that really stuck out was that you're looking at an enterprise holistically. That's what's going to be required. And that ties right into what we just talked about with the Purdue model. What are one or two things you think that your company has done to successfully prepare to start looking at things more holistically? So I think we're looking at divergent skill sets, different skill sets that come from a business acumen, as well as when you look at web-based APIs, REST APIs, data ingestion, SQL, just the, the whole integration of how to leverage that data and how to make better business decisions is a transition in skill sets. As you look at the controller and the things that we used to do years ago, that is a skill set that is not going away, but there's an incremental skill set that's going to sit on top of that that's going to have a lot more business acumen and how do you solve real-world business challenges as opposed to just control strategy changes. Can you tell me about a project that Avid has done in that capacity that takes that holistic approach to the enterprise? Yeah, so we are uh, members of SESME, Clean Energy and Smart Manufacturing Institute. It's a uh, DOD-funded pub-sub environment. And we, as members, SESME recently announced that North Carolina State is a uh, smart manufacturing uh, initiative for the university. And we have had the opportunity in the past couple of months to deploy uh, the SESME, basically IOT platform, at North Carolina State. What that really meant is we have three different uh, departments or, or uh, focuses at the university that we're using today. There's a uh, pulp and paper institute, there's uh, non-wovens, and then there's uh, biotech, which is bio uh, manufacturing. Um, and that facility is where we really focused most of our energy prior to uh, the 9-10 sending most of us home. Mm-hmm. They have a, uh, an ABB DCS, a Delta V, as well as a number of Rockwell controllers there. It's publishing data into a Pi Historian. First thing we did was get the Pi Historian outbound and ingesting data into the Sesame platform. The thing uh, we did is uh, leveraging ThinkIQ, which is uh, one of the Sesame partners, is essentially built a um, an equipment module, which uh, the Sesame platform looks at as equipment profiles. So, right, so you can build a profile for a digester or for a reactor or for a distillation column or a washer or screen. And those, those profiles will essentially become part of their market space, right? So Avid develops them or an OEM provider of a distillation column builds the profile. Those profiles are going to be housed in essentially an app store, which you can go say, okay, I'm trying to solve this manufacturing problem. Has anybody developed a profile for this and go download it? So, so it's really as John Dyke, the CEO of, of Sesame, likes to say it's democratizing uh, data analytics in, in an industrial environment uh, for the future. And it's about how can we make this simple 
uh, so that everyone can take advantage of the IoT revolution. I think the App Store analogy is a really good way to put it. It, that people can tangibly understand for whatever reason, whenever I'm trying to describe IIoT to someone, I always use my phone or the, you know, the, the Apple platform as, as an example to kind of do that similar like to like type solution. And that's what the, the profiles are designed to do, right? So it doesn't matter whether you're using Bose headphones or, or um, Apple headphones or whatever, when you pair that to your iPhone or your smartphone, right? That is a profile that is connecting a set of headphones. Now, the enablement of that is hidden in API, but to the phone, you're just using headphones. And so I really and truly, I think at manufacturing going forward, you're going to have, if you, if you look at OPATH and some of the, the uh, standards being driven out of that, you're going to have IO that being paired to a controller is going to be very much like pairing Bluetooth headphones to your smartphone. We had a PTC. We had an individual from their uh, Kepware business on the show. Gosh, it's probably been almost 10 episodes ago now. But he said, in addition to that, the one core difference is where when you're talking about apps with a phone, I think that headphone example was much better when you're plugging in like Bose headphones, for example, because they weren't necessarily designed to work specifically brand to brand per se. There are APIs for that. But the main difference between the platform and let's say apps on an iPhone integrating together is there's a lot of stuff on the plant floor that was never designed with the intention of working together being the core difference. Great examples there. One other acronym check for our audience out there. A number of people are probably familiar with SESMI. Um, that's C-E-S-M-I-I. If you're curious what this this word we're using is, can you could just describe SESMI really quickly just so people know a little bit more about that organization? Uh, as I said, it's, it's a uh, smart manufacturing or, or clean energy smart manufacturing um, initiative, and it is funded by the DOD. It is designed to help push manufacturing forward. They launch a number of projects annually. The projects are co-funded, right? So it's, it's a public and private uh, joint venture. So for basically every dollar you put into a project, you get a, a dollar supplement from the Institute to help develop. And it is designed to be a, uh, a place that you can, um, you know, technically triage technologies as you move forward. It is designed to bring new technologies to light and, and is really designed around how you, you can leverage those new technologies in a very low code to no code ingestion and get value from them very, very quickly. To go back to the headphones uh, analogy, right? If someone develops a visual sensor that can detect that all the single use connections on a, on a single use pharmaceutical bag are in place and correct, they could actually productize that and plug that in as a profile to the platform so that the next person that needed to use that, rather than go design your own application, build a bunch of code on your own, you simply can download the connector and leverage it in the platform. Tim, you've given a couple great examples from this democratization, having profiles for, you know, essentially like more of a public IIoT database in some way, shape, or form. We talked about systems integrators needing to take that more holistic approach to the enterprise, looking at the five layers of the Purdue model 
and not just being able to address that those layers one and two where they've traditionally played in the past, but be really being able to help all the way up to the ERP layer, all the way up to the boardroom. As we're starting to wrap up, you know, you gave a great, we, we were chatting a little bit before we started recording. You had a great example of what you're doing with a non-woven machine. You talked about pulp and paper, non-woven and biotech that you're doing with NC State right now. But your non-woven machine example is a really timely example of what IIoT looks like and how it can help in the current situation we're in with COVID-19. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Certainly. So um, it was just announced last week, uh, there's a non-woven machine. Um, at the uh, the Nonwovens Institute at North Carolina State, um, that they are currently manufacturing uh, filter paper or filter material, excuse me, it's not paper, for the NG95 mask. It's really you know, kind of humbling to be a part of, of something that, that is helping in the situation we're in today. Unfortunately, prior to COVID-19, that was not one of the areas that we had focused on to get data into the seismic platform. But with some of the new technologies we've uncovered and partnered with in the uh, past week, like Iodium, uh, for example, we can actually configure a remote connectivity platform that we can literally mail to put them box and, and FedEx it to NC State, and their maintenance staff can plug it into a northbound and get it get it out to the uh, internet, and we can remotely configure from there. Right, so it's it's giving us the ability. To, um, to get data ingested into the seismic platform and see what we can do from that perspective to, uh, to continue to help NC State do the, uh, the deed that they're doing for NG95 mask. I've been impressed with the agility and the ability companies have had to pivot priorities very quickly. Um, and I'm happy to hear that you and your team at Avid have, uh, have been a part of that. As we wrap up the conversation, is there anything you wish I would have asked you around the systems integrator of the future or SESME's smart manufacturing platform? Not really. I think the, the, the biggest thing that we need to all focus on is, is it's not about technology. It's about solving a business challenge. And I think in today's world, in, in the past several weeks, the business challenges are, are I'm not sure they did. Well, they have changed, but there's a heightened sense of uh, awareness of these challenges. It's a catalyst to, uh, to evolve very, very quickly. And um, we're just happy to be a part of it. It's been cool having conversations with you throughout the course of this through the virtual happy hours that we've been doing at Manufacturing Happy Hour. Hopefully that's something that doesn't go away after, after we start getting back to in-person meetings. It's been pretty cool being able to connect people from uh, – across the country. And and you're right. Um, this has been an accelerant for digital transformation. And there are a lot of people like yourself that are doing a lot of good out there as a result of it. Before we wrap up, I've got to go back to one of the very first things we talked about. I don't know if I gave it justice, but one thing our audience loves hearing about is craft beer as well and the bars we talk about. And man, the barbershop uh, near where you're at in North Carolina, that's how that like f fill me in a bit more on that. So you get a beer and you get your hair cut in the same spot. Yeah, it's um, it's an old school barbershop. It's called Reveille Barbershop. They have a uh, pool table in there. Um, they have you know, normally five or six different craft, local craft brews on tap. Uh, you walk in, there's uh can't make an appointment. You got to, you know, hang out and wait <laughs> your haircut, right? And they pour you a beer while you're waiting. And it's just a, uh, it's a really cool place. You know, it's, it's not a late night club, but it's, uh, it's, it's a neat place. I think it's setting the standard around haircuts for the future. So, and the city that's in, in North Carolina again, what was it? Uh, what was it called? Fuquay Verena. It's got a 
been in the middle of it between Fuquay and Marina. Fuquay, Marina, North Carolina. Well, a couple call to actions from this. First and foremost, if you are looking for someone that I would truly say is a systems integrator of the future, look no further than Avid Solutions. You can find them at avid.run. If you're looking for a beer and a haircut in North Carolina, you know to know to look for the barber shop. And with that, Tim, I just wanted to say thanks so much for being on today's show. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. It was a pleasure. This was great. And for those of you out there, stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next time. Hey, thanks for listening. And a big thanks to Tim Shope for jumping on today's show. I'll tell you what, his bar recommendation was very timely because, gosh, I really need a haircut right now. I know I'm not alone in that. So maybe I do need to make my way out to North Carolina to visit Revelry Barbershop when this is all said and done. Regardless, you can find that resource as well as everything else mentioned in this episode at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 16. That's one six. Also, I plugged this in the middle of the episode, but our four-part cybersecurity mini-series featuring Rockwell Automation is still going on. Our first two episodes are already out. Episode three is coming up next, and we'll wrap it up with episode four by the end of May 2020. Depending on when you're listening, maybe all of the episodes are out right now, but regardless, you can access all episodes and cybersecurity resources at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash cybersecurity. I have already given you two links related to manufacturinghappyhour.com as we wrap things up, but I'm going to give you a third. I always love it if you can leave a rating and review for the show. I've told you before, it helps put the show on the map, and it also gives me feedback to know what to include in future episodes, what to do differently, what to keep doing, things you're enjoying as you're listening through. Those five-star ratings and reviews at iTunes really help us. You can get there, or as it's called, Apple Podcasts, by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you right there. One last thanks to our sponsor, Audible. I have been cranking through audiobooks during my runs in Golden Gate Park, and I know that will only continue. You can get your free audiobook or your free trial to Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod. Thanks again, Audible, for almost always sponsoring our show. And with that, we have plenty of cool episodes coming your way. This was fun today. Can't wait to release some other ones. Look out for those soon, and I'll talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.